Hello, welcome to XR Star, your monthly podcast where we talk all things extended reality. I'm your host, futurist Amelia Coleman. Before we get started, you might notice a huge improvement in my audio this week, and that is because Christmas came early for me. I am speaking to you on a Shure MV7 podcast microphone and headphones, which makes such a huge difference. I highly recommend them. Big thanks to all the fabulous people at Shure, especially Karis Green and to Tim Albright, and shout out to my producer, Mitch Tolan from AV Nation Media for hooking this up. Um, Also, quick shout out to all our new subscribers on Spotify. Thank you so much. And be sure to tell your friends if you're enjoying it. So today we are talking about location-based play. For someone who has been talking about the metaverse since around 2017, it's been kind of surreal these last few weeks hearing everybody talking about it like it's the second coming. I've been of two minds since Facebook or Meta have gone all in, throwing down the gauntlet and positioning themselves at the center of the metaverse, or at least at the center of the hype. On the one hand, I fear that the inevitable involuntary eye roll that tends to accompany the mention of Mark Zuckerberg is now being extended to the use of the term metaverse which is a shame because it's so much more than awkward billionaires and avatars and bad haircuts. On the other hand, all this attention is helping smaller companies and hopeful competitors to raise funding and visibility and to expand their potential impact. For these companies, as well as us, the citizens who stand to benefit from this technology, we all have the opportunity to really think about what we want the future of the internet and our digital experiences to look like. Where we place our attention, money, likes, clicks, will all help to shape what the space becomes in the future. Back in 2017, the way I was originally describing the metaverse was an infinite digital white space onto which we can create anything. Today, I want us to remember that it doesn't have to be about escaping reality or trading our real real worlds for a virtual one in VR. That the metaverse can also offer us new ways of connecting to the real world with our physical locations and environments and family and friends. XR is already unlocking whole new breaths of possibility for brands and communities. If you've listened to one of these episodes before or seen one of my keynotes, you've likely heard me talk about how geolocation and our ability to geopin the digital onto physical locations is going to play a huge role in the future of things like navigation, education, social media, gaming, entertainment, and more. Niantic is one of the companies who has been in the news recently talking about what they call the real-world metaverse, or essentially an AR metaverse as opposed to a VR metaverse. Best known for developing AR mobile games like Pokemon Go and Harry Potter, Niantic is building a 3D map of the world with integrated machine learning that contextualizes objects and materials in real time. Partnering with Niantic, Preloaded, a London-based BAFTA-winning game studio inventing the future of play, is developing new planet-scale augmented reality experiences as part of Niantic's Lightship platform. 
To tell us more, I am thrilled to welcome Matt Vernon Clinch. He is the Strategy Director of Preloaded and my guest today. Welcome, Matt. Thank you for having me. Nice to be here. Yeah. Pleasure. So good to finally talk to you. So just to begin, um, maybe tell us a bit about yourself and your background and what Preloaded does today. Sure. Well, I'm, uh, I started as a, as a 3D graduate many, many, many moons ago and had a uh, what feels like a former career uh, in architectural visualization way back when. So it's kind of when my, my love of the, the geospatial kind of side of things uh, really, really started. Um, I moved across into my second career, I suppose, in, in the, the real-time space in about 2013 uh, when I joined uh, kind of UK XR Studio Rewind. Um, and was there for, for, for many years and then uh, I've since worked for a global creative agency called Imagination helping set up their internal immersive uh, team, production team uh, and more recently I was at an avatar as a service startup called Didymo uh, who were bringing a B2B offering to enable anybody to avatar themselves from a simple selfie um, to market, so I was working on that, and as you say, I've uh, joined Preloaded earlier this year as strategy director, um, taking taking that offer forward as well. Amazing! What a cool career. Um, I'm familiar with several of those agencies, and uh, they've done some awesome stuff. And yeah, and I love your work at Preloaded too. And I know that Preloaded has a new trends report out called Location Based Play. And we'll be sure to uh, post a link to that in the show notes. But for those who aren't familiar with the terms, um, can you explain a bit about what location-based play means? Yeah, sure. I mean, I should probably I should probably contextualize the the the, um, the reports, I suppose. Um, so so preloaded, obviously, uh, as you as you said in the intro, BAFTA-winning immersive game studio, and and our work is very centered around XR and connected play, geospatial technologies, and, and the broader Web3 kind of ecosystem. Um, and our, our work is about helping clients realize the, the future of play. Play is a, a core component of what we do. And what we're particularly interested in is solutions that solve problems, help connect people, somehow enhance our world. And we, we kind of call this our, our play with purpose methodology. It's, uh, it's about creating playful and engaging content that has some meaning and some substance to it. And what we like to do is, is we're obviously working on the edges of, of emerging technology, but we're, we're very much focused on how that is changing how people interact with things going forwards. And our reports, uh, kind of biannual reports that we do, that really look at uh, industry insights and trends in, in emerging spaces that, that, are, that are opening up and, and how the landscape is shifting to allow a... Um, a, a a series of new opportunities for play. How is how is the the audience focused play changing based on how technology is evolving? And uh, our reports are, are about that. It's about the creative possibilities that are that are afforded by those those advances in technology. Um, as you say, the the latest one that we've put out is uh, is called Play the World. And it's very focused on location based pay, uh, location based play, should I say? Um, and that is simply about how uh, uh, that technology landscape has, has shifted underneath our feet, as it as it always does, and is now um, is now allowing your geospatial position and your unique view on the world from from where you are to be a core component in how uh, in how your play has evolved. It, it's now a component part of of the experience that you can have as a as a as a user. Um, 
And as you said in your intro, it's it's about that that digital canvas that's now aligned to your physical world. There's a there's a hidden digital layer that can now coexist with us, and and we can view it in a number of different ways. Um, and suddenly, that's really opening up massive creative opportunities for for, for all sorts of um, of uses and use cases. Um, but also that the physical and the digital worlds can can talk to one another in some ways, and that your the content in that digital space can be driven. Uh, by the physical world, the content and data in the physical world can can be affecting our digital experience, and, and we're really now starting to see how the blending of those physical and digital worlds are are, are becoming uh, fundamental to to our, to our experiences. I think the fantastic thing is the the playful opportunities that 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 affords that kind of the, that blending of worlds. Absolutely, and that was one of my favorite things about the report was. Um, kind of showcasing all the ways that brands can use this location-based play idea and uh, connect the digital to physical experiences. Um, like I loved the one about the big holograms kind of coming out of the sky and how you could reach masses of people, things that before maybe we could only do in a stadium to reach that many people. We can now kind of democratize this technology and offer it to anyone who has a phone. Um, what are some of your favorite examples of how brands are using these experiences and technologies? Yeah, so we're we're, we're obviously, as you said at the start, we're working with uh, Niantic uh, on as a launch partner for their Lightship ARDK, and that includes a, a couple of projects that we've um, are underway and will be launched uh, later next year. Um, my favorite personal project that we're working on is that is the one we're doing with Science Museum Group, where um, we're taking the content in the science museum uh, and the stories and the, the the educational component to that, and we're taking that out into the physical world, and we're allowing that to be um, a, a discovery of science uh, in your in your real world. It doesn't just exist within the walls of the science museum. Science is happening everywhere. So why would you not want a, a an experience where people can learn and discover things, but in the context of the real world, which is one of the, the great affordances of of, of technology like Lightship is it, it, it doesn't require you to be um, in, in a particular location. It can be about where you are and, and that will drive what you learn. Um, so that's, that's certainly the favourite project that we're working on. In terms of the report itself, um, we, 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 shape the, um, uh, we shape the report in kind of creative thought starters, you know, uh, what we call play patterns, the idea that there are certain types of audience experience and, and certain types of, uh, of, of application of this kind of technology um, from a creative standpoint. We try not to dwell on how the technology is doing what it is doing. We, we try to look at the opportunity that, that affords you in the creative space. And there's, I think there's 10 or 12 uh, different what we call play patterns in there, these, these kind of creative um, uh, ways that this technology can be used. Uh, some of my favorites, uh, we, we talk about shared creation layers, the idea that multiple people can collaborate in this kind of digital canvas uh, concurrently or, or, or asynchronously, which is kind of cool. It's like that means that the future of collaborative art galleries, are we going to see kind of community reviews and announcements happening in the digital space where people can, you know, as they move through these, uh, uh, these locations, they can get contextual information. That's really exciting. 
Um, Area-based activations is another one where you know maybe something is only available to you when you are in a particular place, um, and maybe it's only available to the people that are in that particular place at that particular time. It brings a whole new dimension to the kind of you had to be there principle. Um, and I think possibly the the, the my favourite one of the of those kind of play patterns is uh, digital discovery. The idea that getting out there and and can allow you to to discover these these digital stories or these digital objects, whatever it might be that people want to place there, and that that's offering a massive opportunity for everything from immersive treasure hunts to citywide product discovery journeys. You know, there's there's all sorts of creative applications for that, which I think are, are really exciting. Yeah. And there was also a great one where these kind of um, the city led ones could lead you to something physical. So as an introduction or something, you could kind of end up. I think they said something about like the barriers, the using physical barriers and and bringing the digital um, to lead you to those places. So you have you get led to a physical interaction. Um, yeah, really cool. One of the great things about uh, about Lightship as well is that um is the ability for it to to know about your environment around you so certain things can only be done in certain places um that's really interesting so like it knows what's sky and trees and grass and um it's only going to get more intelligent with that as well so you start to be able to go well you know if i'm discovering a journey about uh, i don't know a particular product and i want that product to be you know visible only when people are on on grass you know and i, I can do that it's uh, it's it's kind of uh, an option for me so is that the USP of the Lightship platform, that it knows its physical location, indoors, outdoors, that kind of thing? Certainly one of, one of the benefits of it, yeah. It's, um, it, I, I, know, I know where I am in the relation to the world, but I also know through the lens of, of, of my, my camera or possibly later my head-worn um, uh, hardware, I know what I'm looking at to a certain degree. I certainly know the what it calls semantics, the semantic classes of things. I, I know that that surface there is grass, and I know that that's the sky up there, and that's a tree. Um, it's definitely one of the benefits. It's, it's kind of one of the creative tools that you don't have to use. So, okay, well, if if the if the platform knows that, if the technology knows that, what can I do with that? That's that's kind of interesting. Um, it's got some other stuff that's coming down the line as well, visual positioning systems and things where it can recognize logos and, and, and so on. So it can start to really anchor content to, uh, to um, positions in the real world, as well as kind of obviously the shared mapping is, is huge. The ability for uh, me to know that I'm looking at a particular fountain in a square and then, you know, somebody else can come back later and find something in exactly that location because I've... You know, I've, it's scanned it. It's it's mapped that, and that map is available to to everybody. When you start to think about kind of the connections you'll be able to make, um, you know, if you go to that fountain and I want to leave, you know, an Easter egg behind or something for somebody else to find next time they're there, and um, and how that can kind of start to bring people together who might not have ever really crossed paths before is kind of cool. Absolutely, yeah. It's um, uh, is it geocaching? I think it's like that. Some of the some of the lightweight things that you can think of is like, well, this is this is a whole new way of doing geocaching in a digital layer. But when you start to kind of take it to its natural conclusion, actually, there's there's a huge wealth of potential here beyond just duplicating the kinds of things that we do now in a digital space. And actually, it's kind of well, I can bring those spaces to life. I can distort the the physical world with the with this digital layer. Um, it's a it's a it's an amazing creative toolkit that we've been given. That is the most exciting thing is that 
you know, we aren't limited by what we already know, that we're actually looking at a whole new playground on we onto which we can develop and um, and create w- new interactions and all kinds of new things. Which actually brings me to to one thing that I've always kind of seen as a hurdle when it comes to XR, which is the user experience. And so many companies kind of get it wrong. I know that with Preloaded, that's something you guys prioritize and try and have a user-centric UX experience. And I think that really sets you guys apart. So maybe you can talk a little bit about why so many companies get it wrong and and how it can be improved in the future and how you approach it. Yeah, I mean, I think... I think user experience is is critical to anyone building anything. Uh, really, it's a it's a it's a it's a cornerstone. I think of how you have to how you have to approach uh, a, a project such as this, particularly when you're working with very emerging technology as well. It's very easy to get bogged down in the technology and forget that you're creating a product for users. And design and and seamless design is is a fairly critical component of that. So. You have to always think about that audience and, and creating the lowest barrier to entry for, for that audience to your product or service, um, which is often even more difficult when you've got a layer of complex new technology uh, that, that plays a, a part in that. So creating simple, elegant, yet engaging and playful experiences is, is fairly challenging. So, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty critical component of what we do at Preloaded is to try and protect that that design phase and make sure that we're really designing the best product that we can with the right with the right framework in mind for how we approach that um, as for how other companies do it, I mean I certainly see a lot of solutions which still are very much focused on the technology and the, the how of the technology and not necessarily the why um, I think that any any solution built on a on a very cutting edge or emerging technology has to has to exist for uh, a purpose beyond simply uh, being built in that technology. It has to have some some purpose to it, some meaning to it, which is um, which is not just uh, justifying its own existence as a as a as a piece of technology. Um, and I think that I think that trying to use that technology as a creative launch pad is a really good way of of justifying that uh, existence. Um, but also, um, I would say just making sure that what you're building couldn't be built in any simpler way. There's something nice about that, something quite elegant about about saying, um, okay, well, we're going to use this particular technology to do that. And if you say, well, why? You would get much the same experience if you did it in this more traditional way. I don't think there's enough justification for that existing in that technology. And I think that a lot of people would see through that as a, as a, as a means to, well, you just wanted to do it in that particular way because it was kind of new and exciting for you, right? Um, so I really like solutions which are which couldn't have been done any other way, where where the content and the technology created something that was entirely new that that, that couldn't have existed in any other in any other medium. Yeah, I love that, and I think you know when we get too technical or, or it's overcomplicated, it can be quite intimidating for people. And really, what we want is people to be using some of this technology and not even aware that they're using it. You know, to have these experiences. So when it comes to new technologies and emerging technologies, what do you think is going to have the biggest impact to bring these experiences to the masses? Do you think it's going to be 5G or AR glasses or AI or something else? 
I think that's an interesting one. You know, your point to the to the masses is um, is 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 quite interesting. I think that that the way we look at um, the way we look at the technology landscape is through is through a lens of really saying, well, there's there's three kind of core pillars. You've got the hardware advancements, you've got the infrastructure that it's delivered on, and you've got the computational side of things, right? So, um, I think from a hardware perspective, we've got devices that are now more location aware than ever. Whether it be the cameras with depth sensors, whether it's you know, improvements in GPS, even like beacons, things like air tags, example for example. Um, on an infrastructure side of things, you've got obviously 5G uh, and the rollout of 5G allowing kind of lower latency, higher volume uh, of connections um, than ever before. You've got an enhanced ability to deliver peer-to-peer -peer communication uh, in a very low latency fashion. And from a computational side of things, you've got shared, shared digital platforms like Niantic. You've got that mapping. You've got the visual position systems and so on that are coming. So the, the technology is kind of there to, to allow this and the delivery is there. In terms of the experience to the masses, you, you, you start to talk about ubiquity and, and, and there being um, enough of them that it, that it makes sense uh, to, for everyone to start adopting. Um, I think that there was a, a conversation in the, in the media this, this week or, or in the last couple of weeks about, um, uh, about Meta's Quest 2 shipping 10 million units, which has always been the kind of, uh, I think since back in 2019, it was always the number that, that Mark Zuckerberg was touting around as, as that was the point that the, it was a commercially viable platform or something to that effect. Um, I, I'm not sure whether that was qualified or not. I think it was, uh, I, I don't think they've made any formal statement about that yet. But it, it, it's, it's kind of that point where it, you reach a critical mass of users. Um, I think what's exciting is kind of the, the, the location-based stuff that we're talking about now and, and those those hardware pillars that I just uh, mentioned, you know, all of those things are happening behind the scenes in many ways, you know, other than the hardware that we own. But even then, you know, you're looking at iPhones, which we already have in our, you know, in our, in our pockets. And so the, 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 all of that is shifting in a way that it almost immediately enables all those experiences on, on our devices and the ubiquity can happen really quickly. It doesn't require you buying or, or buying into um, dedicated hardware that, that, you know, um, that you might not have. And that reduces the barrier to entry again. You know, it's, it's oh, I've, this has just been enabled on the thing that I have in my pocket. Now I can do these kinds of experiences. Wow, okay, I didn't, I didn't have to put any effort into going and seeking these things out. It just happened for me. I think that's fantastic. And I think that when we look at the AR space and we look at the adoption of the kind of the real world metaverse type type uh, um, thing that Niantic is talking about. I think that that as a as a as a as a as an entry point, as a gateway drug, if you like, of just well, my phone just does it. Okay, great, you know. And you'll make at that point you're making content which can very easily translate to head worn devices at some point as well. You know, kind of uh, AR head worn devices. Um, and I think that's great because at the point that 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 starts to become accepted as a as a normal, and people you know start to want want to go outside and wear those kinds of things uh, in in public. They've got a wealth of content that's almost ready made for that. It's not like you're starting from from scratch every time. So, I would say in terms of you know to your question, what kind of technology? Well, I think it's I think it's the technology advancements that happen behind the scenes and just enable whole new layers of experience that that we didn't have before. I think that's the easiest way to get people to to use those. I think 
not reliant on specific hardware or buying into specific ecosystems as a, as a user um, will massively help adoption in that way. Yeah, and you and you might have already just kind of touched on this, but would you say that that's the biggest difference um, when it comes to all these different companies entering the metaverse, talking about the metaverse, that um, that Niantic is taking um, in that kind of seeing the way into the, quote, metaverse, but already seeing it through the devices that we already have in our pockets. What what do you think is makes Niantic different from, like, say, the Metas or the Microsofts of the world? Um, I mean, I obviously can't talk specifically for, for Niantic, but from, from my perspective and from what they've what they've announced and, and the way they're talking about, you know, their vision for, for the future. Um, it's very much about using the world as a canvas and actually not replacing the world with something else. It's about enhancing it, layering content over the top of it. It's also very social. Uh, they're talking about getting people out uh, exploring the world, uh, they're talking about the, the social and collaborative nature of, 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 of their vision for the future. I think it's a very uh, anti-dystopian view. Um, I, I, I think John Hankey was quoted as saying, or said in one of his keynotes, let's build a world we want to live in, not one we want to escape from. I think that's an amazing kind of angle on it uh, where you know, it's not closing yourself off from the world and entering some entirely new space. It's kind of saying, well, let me get out in the world that we have and, and let's have an enhanced experience of that world, uh, which I think is brilliant. I think for me, we're, we're inherently very social beings as, as, as humans. And I think that if the metaverse is our future, that future should very much be a social future. And I, I really like that aspect of what, uh, what Niantic are talking about, certainly. Yeah, for sure. So flipping that on its head, though, we've talked a bit about how this technology is going to work outside, but how is it going to maybe change things within our own houses? Yeah, I, I mean, yes, for the better. I hope. Um, I think it's. Uh, I think it's the next. Uh, the next digital frontier, if you like. Um, I mean, I think it's worth saying that Niantic have a vision that it's not just outside, it will possibly be inside as well. I think their visual positioning systems and so on are going to allow you to map interior spaces too. And I think I've seen, seen some really interesting news about, uh, I think is it Dent Reality? Uh, I've raised a bunch of money in the last week. Uh, they've got some really interesting stuff about like AR navigation and shopping centers and, you know, is that going to change how how our shopping habits are, you know, we're going to be able to navigate into a large store and go exactly to the three things that we want and leave. How is that going to change the future of shopping? But it, in terms of our, in terms of our home, I think that, that certainly from preloaded perspective, we're very focused on, uh, on the kind of the future of the living room, I think as the, as the next, uh, as the next kind of uh, space that's ripe for, for some level of reinvention. We've got a couple of projects in this space already with some pretty exciting partners, uh, not necessarily focused on AR tech or Niantic type tech, but just just as a as a, as a space that's going to evolve fairly quickly. I think looking at how the living room and the content that we we digest in the living room and and how we do that as as groups or individuals or families is 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 really interesting. You know, how can we create more social experiences, bring people back together? There's a lot of talk about the kind of the divisiveness of the living room, people gravitating to their own devices and kind of moving away from a shared social space. How can we make it more inclusive, more collaborative? 
and more more reactive how can we have more control and more agency over the content that we have in that space and, and how we digest it i think that's a really interesting space that that i think we're going to see a lot of advancements in in the next kind of two to three years i would think um certainly given some of the conversations we're having it's a it's a very interesting space definitely very cool yeah i really like that idea about how we can bring people kind of back together and um and this kind of revolution that's happening of of media and how we're going to be able to participate in some of our favorite media and um and then collaborate and um yeah so that's very cool i see that for sure um so i know that you were recently in silicon valley at um the xr conference awe and just wondering what you can report back from that. Was there any kind of cool things that you saw? Anything that surprised you from there? P- plenty of cool things. I think uh, I think as a conference, it's definitely one of the best ones. Uh, certainly, great great speakers, um, uh, a great expo there as well. Um, I mean, I, I, I was a couple of us from from Preloaded went out there, and I think that we we we've talked a lot about the. The, the, the trends or the themes that we seem to see from whether it be from the keynotes or the conversations we have with people there, um, there was definitely a, a strong tech for good angle uh, that was that was being touted around. I don't know whether that was necessarily in kind of a, a, a bit of a reaction to, to some of the uh, some of the meta news trying to kind of really stake their claim and, and everyone's reaction being a little bit mixed on that one. But there was definitely some anti-dystopian vibes there. It was a lot of conversations around let's use this this power that we have and this uh, this uh, interest in this space. I think it was, you know, it was, this is this is headline news now. The XR space hasn't hasn't necessarily got this kind of coverage, but someone big like Facebook, I think, as you said, you know, it, it starts to generate a lot of buzz, a lot of activity. I was like, oh, hang on, that's a that's a major name suddenly you know going all in at the at the poker table with uh with with metaverse what does that mean what does that mean there's a lot of a lot of attention and i think um a lot of conversation around trying to use that attention to show how this technology can really improve things and make things better um so that was that was definitely a, a strong theme and i think a really good one really good takeaway from that event was was okay everyone is everyone's pretty rallied about what we what we can use this technology for this this kind of power um it's a very busy ar space uh, i think that's uh, was a, was another one you know we had uh, niantic announced lightship obviously um we had qualcomm go in on a very similar kind of thing with uh, with snapdragon spaces uh, i think we had big announcements from eighth wall and blipper and a few other people as well so a lot, lot of a lot of big announcements which you'd expect around an event like that but it's um it kind of shows that there's uh, there's a lot of a lot of players in this in this space, and a lot of people doing some very interesting things. So, so yeah, amazing sets of tools and and um, uh, and opportunities for people in this uh, in this arena. I think. Um, and within that, I would say also uh, a strong theme around long form content, um, uh, particularly with, within AR. Um, generally, trying to position AR content as something which isn't throwaway or, or gimmicky. Um, I think uh, we saw everyone from from Snap to um, well, Niantic, obviously, you know, talking about how this can be something which is which is more than ten second pieces of content that live for a short period of time. Um, and I think that's a really positive thing to take away. Is okay. Well, this is this is a good tool now. How can we how can we tell stories? How can we have engagement over longer periods of time? Um, 
how does how is this something that people want to come back to again and again and again and not just digest in in tiny little snippets how can this become something which is kind of slightly permeating our more everyday and for longer periods of time which is great um and i would say the last general thing was a huge kind of groundswell of positivity uh, around around what can be done um it was a very positive event i think that's Possibly also uh, because people haven't been able to get out and, and, and go to an event like that and, and be social and, and kind of gather as a community like that for a long period of time. So there was, there was a, lot of, a lot of people who were, were clearly very relieved to be back in that kind of space and, and, and to be able to, to you know, um, engage with their, uh, with their fellow, uh, with their fellow uh, XR. Um, XR stars. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's really good to hear. Yeah, I can imagine it would be a bit of a celebration. You know, this industry, we have been um, plodding along for quite some time. And a lot of us have sometimes maybe felt like you're shouting in the dark and, you know, telling people it's coming and, you know, and all the great things that it's capable of. And it definitely feels like it's here now. And it's so great that we have some of our best minds working on this and best designers and strategists um, looking at how we can really utilize this technology to, um, to change or add new ways to tell stories and to um, connect with people and communicate. I'm really interested in that long-form AR. That's fascinating. And I would love to... Um, if you could keep me posted about what Preloaded does in that space, I'd love to uh, hear more about that for sure. And it's also really good to hear about um, about the responsible tech movement. That's definitely an area that I have been talking a lot more about and um, and having hope, a hopeful um, viewpoint, you know, that it's not all dystopian and that we do have a positive future and we're all part of making that future possible. So for you, what, what, if you had to name your greatest fear about the way all this could go, and then also your greatest hope for how it could go, what would you say? Oh, can I start with the hope? I feel like I should start yeah, with the hope. Yeah, sure. Start with the positive. Okay. Um, I think XR technology generally, and the and the wider technology landscape with everything from AI, blockchain technologies, and so on. Um, I think it's a I think it's a huge opportunity for us to, as as humanity, uh, if you will, to 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 get back time. Um, I think we're we're more time poor than we've ever been before. And I think that, that one of the things that we're great as a species is, is, uh, is filling our time with stuff. Um, uh, and actually that mental headroom, that, that space to think and to plan and, and to, to work out how to be more efficient with the time that we do spend and using XR technologies to allow us to be more efficient with that, I think would be, would be an amazing, my, my personal amazing vision of the future. I would love to, to see us be more efficient and, and to use that technology for good, but also for the betterment of our, of our own personal lives. I think that that's a, that's a huge kind of, I suppose, self-care kind of, uh, kind of hope and dream that I have for it. Um, uh, my biggest fear, gosh, um, I, th I think, I think lacking purpose in the solutions that we, we develop, um, to, to being too close to the technology and not being able to see past the technology into the potential of what it can do creatively. Um, 
and I suppose with the creatively uh, side of things, um, simply replicating what we do every day in the real world in the digital space, and not and not looking at that as a as a as a blank canvas as an opportunity to do something different. I think that is a that's a big one. Um, I think we see I see way too many solutions that are simply duplicating what we do in the physical world in the digital space, and, and to me that is that's that's not enough consideration for how we can do it differently um, and we do have this amazing opportunity to do it differently to have make it more playful make it more fun make it more engaging create experiences that release endorphins and things that that that, uh, that actually make us buoyant and, and positive about about doing those things even if they're the fairly mundane or the, the fairly ordinary um, so I, assume, I would say that my biggest fear is is not embracing that opportunity to, to, to kind of start with a blank sheet of paper and to reimagine a, a different way of doing things that this technology affords us creatively and and, um, and uh, from a productivity perspective or from a from a efficiency perspective. You know, it's a it's a it's a new slate. Yes. Yeah. I love that. A new slate, indeed. Well, thank you. I think that is um, a great way to to finish off this episode. Um, you've been an amazing guest. Thank you so much for sharing all your insights with me today and with our listeners. Um, so if anybody wants to get in touch with you, where's the best place to reach you? Follow Preloaded on, on Twitter and LinkedIn, uh, both there. For, for me, uh, I'm, a, I'm a LinkedIn person, so uh, you can connect with me on there. Uh, I'm, I'm, I am on Twitter, uh, Matt Vernon Clinch, but uh, I honestly, all I do is tweet about Formula One, so uh, it's probably uh, it's probably more of a personal account than it is a business one. But yeah, uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. Love to hear from uh, from people in the industry doing doing interesting things, certainly. Oh, great. Well, thank you so much, Matt. And thanks all to you for listening and subscribing. And I look forward to being with you again next month. Take care.